Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds. You're normally a weekly podcast, soon to be weekly again. Uh, more on that later. Uh, <laughs> where uh, we normally talk about Ninja Turtle comic books one issue at a time. But today we're here to do another movie review. How you been, Sean? Good. I, You know, I've been... A- Probably most excited to do this one because I have no idea where it was going to fall. Um, yeah, it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll go right into it. Like, I don't know still how I feel about this movie. Like, I, I liked it. So we should say right away. So if you didn't see it in the title of the episode, we're talking about Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows today, the final live-action turtle movie. We finally made it all the way to here, and there's none left. Uh, We'll probably do some bonus episodes on other things like uh, Turtles Forever, but we're out of live-action turtle movies for now. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this movie. Like, I liked it, but... I didn't enjoy it in the way that I enjoy, like, like Ghostbusters or, like, use a modern movie like uh, John Wick. Like, something where you're just like, that's awesome. Like, every time. I think I like this movie in, more in the same way that I like, like, Batman Forever. Where, like, you're just fascinated by all the decisions being made and the, and the stuff in there is, like, you're just like... What are you talking about, movie? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I I I expected it to it I don't want to get you know give too much away, but I expected it to score higher than it did. Like I I going into it, I thought I really was like more enamored with this movie. It's not a bad it was movie. It's relatively neutral, I feel like at the end of the day. Um it's not a zero, but because that would be a neutral score, as yeah. many positives as negatives. But uh, you know what I I came across the like I, I watched it twice, which I didn't do for any of the other movies. I mean, really, the, the first three I have memorized, but I did, so I didn't watch uh, any of the other three uh, twice. And the thing is, like, I couldn't put my finger on what the feeling of this was, and I think I nailed it down. Like overall, this doesn't feel like a real movie to me. Okay. And and that sat around in my head for a few days before I realized what it is is it's it it feels like those movies that are made by people who don't normally make movies like Final Fantasy the Spirits Within or like Power Rangers the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> or like all right. Ratchet and Clank the movie. Pretty much if you have to put the movie at the end of the title <laughs> let people know it's a movie. <laughs> Street Fighter the movie, the game. Um <laughs> like um both Mortal Kombat movies. So you know what? Maybe it's just it feels like a video game movie, because those are early examples I'm getting. Okay. But like both Mortal Kombat movies have this thing where it feels like the people making it aren't fans of the thing they're making, but they're trying to do stuff for the fans because they know that like that will help them sell tickets. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, they'll eat this stuff up. You know? Yeah, all right. I mean, like I said, I I've been looking forward the most to doing this one. And and again, I what I will say is as I've said w- before with uh, the 2014 movie, they should have had a March release date. I think that would have helped this. But, you know, the negative word of mouth I think killed this one too 
for the previous movie. Yeah, because another thing I did, speaking of word of mouth, is I watched a bunch of other reviews to make sure I wasn't like forgetting to mention something. So I watched a bunch of contemporary, I guess you'd say, reviews that came out when the movie came out. And it was like a, most of them, I think all of them actually unanimously said that this was worse or no, this was better. Sorry, this was better than the the previous Platinum Dunes movie. And I have to say, like some of them said it was a bad movie, but they all said it's bad, but better than the previous one type thing. And I got to say, I feel like even though my score, my score kind of actually does reflect this, but like. I feel like they're equally good and equally bad for completely different reasons. It's like they both ran in different directions and they hmm. both tripped on different obstacles. Yeah, all right. I could see that because, like I said, it the score didn't come out the way I expected. But, you know, again, like, I actually wish I had seen this in the theater. I regret not, like. Just saying the heck with it and going because of how I felt about the previous movie, but yeah, it's got some great action sequences for for theater viewing. So yeah, let, let let's do this because let's, let's get into some numbers. So before we get into our numbers, um, so Out of the Shadows release dates. Out of the Shadows came out June third, twenty sixteen. Was the like nationwide release? There was like an earlier premiere or something. The other movies were the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out August 8th. TMNT came out March 23rd. Turtles 3 was March. Oh, I don't have the day. Just March of 93 here. Uh, Secret of the U's March 22nd. And Ninja Turtles, the first movie, March 30th, 1990. The budgets. First movie from 1990, $13 million budget made $202 million. Huge hit. We've said it. Five, six times now. Um, <laughs> TMNT 2, they did not make as much of a profit. Budget was $25 million and they made $78 million. The third movie that is not Turtles in Time, budget was $21 million, made $54 million. The gap is getting closer all the time. So they took a little, little break, then they made the CGI movie. That budget was $34 million, and it made $95, we'll call it $96 million. 95 point something. Then they took another break for a while. That wasn't a big enough profit for them, I guess, because it's just barely over double the budget. So it's like on the fence because they always say I've seen both sides of this where the some people on the Internet say a movie needs to make twice its budget because they spend an equal amount of the film budget on advertising usually and like press tours and things like that. Other people say that's crazy overestimation, but point is. That barely made twice the budget there. So, um, TMNT, the, they, they took a little bit off. Then they had the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a budget of $150 million, And it made $493 million, which we said last episode, like, that's incredible for that yeah. movie. And, and th where we came away from that was, like, imagine if that movie was universally praised. Like, whether you like it or not. You have to admit most people did, like criticized that movie and word of mouth was not very good on it. So imagine if word of mouth on that movie was great. They would have seen like a 600 million box office out of the shadows could have been an, in the billion dollar club. If exactly. So. But 
Instead, Out of the Shadows, like you said, had terrible word of mouth, and all the reviews I watched said, like I said, they were like, oh, it's better than the last one, but it's a bad movie. That was pretty much every review I watched. Yeah. It's a bad movie, better than the last one, but a bad movie. And people already knew how much they didn't like the last one, so to hear, well, it's better than the last one, but it's still bad, uh, I'm not going to go see it. So the budget was $135 million. It only made $245 million. So okay, not not good, not terrible, not a flop, but not like so strong that we want to keep this franchise going and make a third version of this universe. Yeah. The run times. This is the longest Ninja Turtle movie. First one was 93 minutes. Secret of the Ooze was 88 minutes. Got a little shorter. Then the third Ninja Turtles was 96 minutes, and they just grow from there. Oh, no. No, actually, TMNT, the CGI movie, is only 87 minutes. Um, And then it grows from there. So the 2014 film was 101 minutes, and then this one was 112 minutes. It's the longest Ninja Turtle movie. See, it felt shorter to me than the 2014 movie. Yeah. I'll I'll give yeah I'll agree there because it it definitely feels more fun. It's yeah. not it's letting itself go crazy and it it feels I'll say that thing where I said that this feels like a video game movie. I didn't feel like that with the last movie. It felt like a traditional Michael Bay like Transformers type movie. Whereas I don't know if it's the sets or the lighting of this or the 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 prop design. Like it all feels like. Kind of like Resident Evil 2 had this kind of feel to it. I I only saw the first one, so I can't speak for the others. But, uh, you know, these video game type movies, these things that are usually made by people you don't typically see making other movies. (laughs) And I looked into it. These people are all legitimate. Like, the the writer for this wrote... um, I keep wanting to say Resident Evil because I just brought it up. um, (laughs) He wrote Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Which is a great movie. Oh, wow. Two, this movie has four writers credited. One is Kevin Eastman. One is Peter Laird. So that's obviously just a gimme credit. <laughs> I don't think they actually worked on the script. Um, and then the other two writers both also worked on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So that's a good movie. Yeah, it's a it's good crazy. Team. It's crazy that this is another one of their scripts. Like, they must have not had nearly as much time to work on this or something. Yeah, this, not as much as the previous movie, but this still has a little of the half-baked thing going. Yeah, and I I don't want to get too, too into it, because I've got some specific, like, dialogue notes and things like that. So maybe, maybe we should just get into our scores. So if this is your first time listening to us do a movie review, we do this thing where... It's really just a, you know, uh, a gimmick to get us to talk about everything that happens in the movie. (laughs) But what we do is every time we like something, we add a point. Every time we don't like something, we take a point away. And then at the end of the movie, we'll have like a credit score. We'll have what my list scored. We'll have what Sean's list scored. And we'll have if you combine the two into one list, what the score would be. So let's so, let's take a look, see how this movie shakes out. Per tradition, first thing, <laughs> first thing, um, first thing before we even get into yours, though, I have a note here that I didn't send in in the notes to you. But oh, like, 
I think this is the first time I've ever seen the Paramount logo changed. Do you remember what they did? I think they so did instead, that in the first in, movie, too, the Ninja Stars. Oh, they did? Okay. I didn't notice. The first time I noticed it. So they, they do Ninja Stars for the Paramount logo instead of the normal stars, which I thought was cool. Not cool enough to add a point, but it, I just thought it was worth noting. I've never seen that or noticed it, I guess. They've done it for a couple of movies, but I feel like it's not as memorable as the Ninja Star thing. So, Oh, okay. So, per tradition, I gave it a point and made another turtle movie. <laughs> that's, that's like a handicap. <laughs> you're giving these movies a one-point handicap. They like Just because they made a movie, they get a point. Right away, we agreed, though. The way yeah. this movie opens is really cool. We both gave this a point. I said it feels like a live-action Rise of the Ninja Turtles movie. Yep. Probably because it's very reminiscent of that first episode where they, they jump in the pool in the opening. Uh, even though they don't jump in a pool here, but they are, like, running on rooftops and stuff. And I don't know. I like when I see the Turtles do teenage stuff. So them going to a basketball game. Yeah. It, it's a great thing to have and and they're kind of doing ninja stuff too which i also love because they're staying up in the the rafters there yeah i agree i like that whole sequence uh, i gave it a point because i i do like how they introduce the turtles with titles yeah this is a rare this is rare in this the point system and i'm gonna point something out here none of the other movies had this happen often like it might have happened like once or twice total with all the other movies we did this movie, for some reason, we are divided on because <laughs> there's multiple times in these points where you added a point for something, the exact same thing I took a point away for. And we didn't have that a lot with the other movies. No. So you liked the turtle names. I didn't like the turtle names. I took a point away for that. So what, what was it about that that irked you? Well, for people who haven't seen the movie in a while, when they bring the turtles in, when, when the turtles are like doing their ninja moves and stuff in the opening sequence. I like I liked this in the CGI movie, but I liked when it just said the name. I I don't feel like and I get that they're trying to do a shorthand, but I feel like there's something that's like pandering about it. I don't know cuz under the name of each turtle when they get introduced, it'll say like Leonardo, the leader, Donatello, the brains. That's the one I really didn't like cuz I'm like eh, is he he's not He's not, I guess in this world, he's the brains, but it. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm not saying, um, you know, I'm not saying it's something everyone should feel. This is my score, and I don't like the description of the turtles under their names. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I'll give you the Michelangelo, all they give him is pizza. Yeah, that was the, I think that's where it, it hit me, because I'm like, oh, so... Donatello gets the brains, Raphael gets the muscle, Leonardo gets the leader, and Michelangelo, it just says, uh, pizza lover, I think it says. Like, they're all pizza lovers. Like, my favorite turtle, Mikey, you can't even give him a cool description? No. No way. You can't. You could have said the funny one. <laughs> you you could have. Yeah, that would have fit with the other three. So I did that. You could have written this 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 movie actually has so much fan service to the original cartoon. Yeah. That you could have written Party Dude. You could have. And people would have liked it. So I deducted a point because we're introdu reintroduced to Vern at the basketball game, who's going by. Who doesn't need to be in this movie, but nope, we'll get there. <laughs> he does not. 
who goes by the Falcon now for some reason. So I deducted a point for that because they interview him and everything, but I I just realized this today. Instead of having Vern take credit for taking down Shredder, why didn't they just have April do it? It boosted her reporting career, and then through this movie, she starts to feel guilty about it, and then she's the one who goes, no, it was the Turtles. I helped them, but it wasn't just me. That is... A good idea. The I would be hesitant on it only because, I mean, I'll give it away and we'll bring it up when we get there, I guess. But one thing I liked about this movie, I kind of liked that Vern and April were both very downplayed because we criticized the 2014 film for basically not being a Ninja Turtle movie. It was an April O'Neil movie. And then this movie, they actually focused on the Turtles, which was great. So I'm almost like, don't give April too much because then you get in that trap again. But but that would have been, you think know, it, it would have made more sense than Vern. You're right. Yeah, I think it would have at least given her an arc because I feel like in this movie, it's just April helps out. But anyway, <laughs> I gave them a point for the, uh, the turtles shooting spitballs at Vern when he's getting interviewed because that was great. And then I took a point away here for something that became a theme throughout the movie for me Mm. is this kind of feels at points like it's supposed to be the third movie in a series in that they they expect you to fill in a lot of a gap. You know what I mean? Like like they do this. uh, I, I took a point away because they do this news story that's a summary of the events of the first movie and. It implies that, like, everyone in New York kind of knew the whole Foot Clan situation. And it, it almost feels like something that would be in a third movie where you would talk about all the f- times the Foot Clan was taken down or something. And it it doesn't feel like the average person in New York would even know what the Foot Clan was, even after what happened in the first movie. They, they would know, like, a skyscraper fell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they'd yeah. be like, oh, what happened? <laughs> like, they... I don't know. And I know like they had the whole Vern story where he told all about how he saved the city, but I don't think people would pay attention to that. I th- or they'd think he was lying. Like they'd be like, yeah, oh, like- yeah, so you saved us from a secret ninja cult that nobody has seen? Okay, pal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. No, I agree. It, it's It goes back to like the last movie where it feels like an MCU trope, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because... Again, that's something the M- this this is this would be a trope after like an Avengers movie, and they're trying to put it in like Iron Man two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like they're trying to put like like well, all the times, and this uh, this is a critique I have throughout this movie is a lot of times they'll be like, all we've done for this city, and all the times we've saved this city, and it's like, no, dude, you just had the one so far. Yeah, yeah. There's like an because um, it's only supposed to be a year later or something too. Yeah, but I did add a point because the turtle designs are much better. They're not perfect, but they are better in this movie. They definitely scaled them down. They're um, less they, busy. They less busy. They don't look as tall. I think they altered their heights. Yes. Um, Raphael is still a little too big for my liking, but overall, the turtles look much smaller and better in this movie. So the Turtles watch the the basketball game. April O'Neil is getting some inside tips on Baxter Stockman. Uh, we cut over to her. 
Or is that, is that after the game? I can't remember. I think it's I think after. It's no, it's after. Is it after? Okay. Donnie's talking Well, either him. way, but the thing that I want to know here is why does April have this hologram smartwatch? Like, it's one of those things that feels out of place and makes this feel like a video game movie. Unless they're, like, in an Utrum lair or something, It, I don't see the turtles with this weird hologram technology. Feels out of place. It's funny because usually that's something I would notice, and that it didn't even occur to me. Uh, I gave it a point to me because <laughs> I think Tyler Perry's really good as Baxter Stockman, and I'm disappointed that you know we didn't get a third movie where maybe mm. he, he could have mutated. However, and the, the di- yeah, the I agree. Dialogue is kind of where it hurts itself. There's a line where April says, "I'm a nerd, not a geek." Like, and explains it. it. It's just a stupid well, line. Well, she says, like, it's the difference between a nerd and a geek. I can't remember the exact line. Yeah. It's something like, it's the difference between Comic-Con and a TED Talk. And I'm like, what is the difference? They, well, those two are completely different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like saying, oh, it's the difference between an apple and a guitar. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> those aren't the same thing. And then I deducted a point, although this is the only time they do it in the movie for the schoolgirl outfit thing they do with her. Yeah, well, this is two separate points, so I didn't want to yeah, yeah. put it as an agreed thing. But the next thing you have is when she makes her transformation, we both noticed her leggings magically change into these like uh, knee-high socks. Yep. So... The transformation doesn't even make sense. And normally I don't notice those things, which makes me think they were especially bad at it if someone like me noticed. Yes, but fortunately that's the only time in the movie they do this and then they just let April be April. So that was a nice improvement at least. I gave it a point for the Halloween parade that Mikey kind of gets involved in because I just thought that was in a really great sequence. And... Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, but I have so much to say about this movie. And no, uh, no, but when I, that I happened, thought that was awesome. And you're kind of I was I was going through the notes. I agree that the fact it doesn't really connect to something later on is weird. Yeah, like you and I have talked on the podcast about how in the comic books that we cover, it's weird that there's not more Halloween issues because you'd think that would be like a thing where the turtles can go out on Halloween and like nobody would would notice them so I I liked that that was in there it was a really cool thing it's it doesn't really do much for the movie but it was it was really cool and I wish I want more underwater turtles and I want more Halloween turtles and I want more snow turtles I want all that (laughs) there's a third movie right there that's my list (laughs) I deducted a point for Casey Jones in the movie who he's basically nobody in everything but name. Like they could have just made him that character. See, here's the thing though. I would be willing to bet that the writers didn't even know there was a a character from the comics called nobody who was a police officer that worked with the turtles. I think, I think they just thought they were putting like a new twist on Casey Jones this it doesn't feel like they dug that deep into the source material. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But I did give it a point because this is the part where the turtles are like racing back to the to the lair, and Splinter is about to reach spiritual enlightenment, and then you know they ruin it, and it's like the only no that Splinter is improved in this movie, even though he's barely in it. Yeah. And this is one of the two moments I really liked with him. So, but basically now the turtles have found out that uh, the police are transporting Shredder to another facility. So they're racing back home. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they went the complete other way where last movie we were like, I wish this was more about the turtles. And then this movie is so much about the turtles that it feels like April Splinter, Casey, Vern are all in there for no reason. They're just like orbiting <laughs> the turtles. And it's like, well, if you're going to have these characters, like either incorporate them into the turtle story or give them a B story. Yeah. Something. But, like, it, it went the whole other direction where it's so focused on the turtles that you barely notice those four characters. And we, we both gave it a point for the Tortuga Brothers garbage truck. Yeah. I mean, the flames coming out of the side were a bit much for me, but it, it was nice to finally get a live-action turtle van, which I couldn't believe was missing until now. Like, that, it occurred to me while watching the movie. I was like, oh, wow, none of the other movies had a turtle van. Well, so, I mean, that's awesome. There's the embarrassing one at the end of the last movie, but well, I'm not even going to remember. I'm like, I don't count that. And it wasn't even like really in the movie. It was like at the end of the movie. But yeah, it it, it was really cool to finally see that in action. I deducted a point for the new Karai who had been recast because she's also pointless in this movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> So then, like you said, they're, they're talking about the turtles. I mean, they're talking about the Shredder is being transferred, having this prison transfer. And when the turtles hear about it, it's another part where this feels like the third part of a trilogy. And they they talk about, like, there's all this history. Like, like there's something like, a, a you know, like the turtles and Shredder have been battling for years. And really, they defeated him the day they met him in the last movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was a one day thing to them. I didn't deduct or add or anything for it, but the the parts in the movie where Shredder like is talking about the turtles and he's like the brothers, and I'm like, you don't know any of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you saw these guys for like if you add it all up, you know, you knew these turtles existed for like three hours before you were in jail. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um. Because it's like, you know, in the in every other version, there's a longstanding history, right. and it's a blood feud between Splinter and Shredder, and the turtles were raised and, and taught their entire life, this is your enemy, and this is your guy. But that's not the case in this universe, yet they act like it still is. Yeah, yeah. So we, we both gave it a point for the spot-on perfect adaptation of Bebop and Rocksteady. Absolutely. And that was in all the other reviews I watched, like the one highlight. I, I, I don't remember what I said about the last movie where I said everybody agrees on this, but I think this is this movie's thing that everybody agrees. Bebop and Rocksteady done pitch perfect here. Just it's exactly how I read them in IDW. It's another reason I'm bummed there wasn't a third movie because I, I wanted to see more of these two. But it proves that they can be done well in a movie, yep. which I think hopefully they take that 
into whatever next one they make where they're like, look, this is the one thing people like from this movie, so it, it works, you know? And we, we also both added a point because we liked... I mean, you went into way more detail here with a couple of other points, but I just yeah. said, uh, plus a point, I like the the Shredder Highway escape. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm always a sucker for this, like, cliche, freeing a prisoner on the move. Uh, usually it's in a superhero movie. You've got, uh, they did it in X3, which it's one of the good parts of, of the third X-Men movie. Uh, they did it in Deadpool 2. Yep. Um. There's a lot of examples out there, not just X-Men movies. <laughs> well, uh, one, I love when they, when they have, free a prisoner on the go. I deducted a point because it, it was a little similar to the Dark Knight chase, even though that was them trying to kill Harvey. It wasn't them trying to free Harvey. I, th- I think you just think that because in both chases, there's a garbage truck involved. That could be the case. <laughs> And I would argue the garbage. Because you remember Joker drove a garbage truck into one of, or Joker's men, not him. Yeah, they drove it, it into they something. They drove a garbage truck into something. Oh, no, no, no. The Batmobile drove into the garbage truck. That's what it was. Because the garbage truck was running the other thing off the road. That's what happened. The garbage truck ran the thing off the road. Doesn't matter. Not this movie. Um. <laughs> but during the highway scene, the I gave it a point because the foot are finally ninjas. I don't know why that was so difficult to do last movie. I don't think they were. Like, see, I saw this note that you did, and I'm like, they just seem like, I mean, they don't seem like military people anymore, but they didn't have, like, a good ninja fight, which comes in a note I have way later on. I, they weren't ninja-y enough for me. They just had little magnet hands. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I gave it a point for the nunchuck giganticus, because I just thought that was great. Yeah, that was cool. And I gave it a point, though I agree with you, this probably is the worst version of Raph in anything. Um, when Raph jumps out the back and takes a motorcycle, I thought that moment was cool. Mm-hmm. So we get through this whole thing, and then by the time the Foot Clan have basically torn the roof off the van <laughs> is when the cops suddenly decide maybe they should get in the back and see what's going on. And I deducted a point for that, because it's like, you're being attacked for about seven minutes straight and just now you're going huh i guess we should get back there so (laughs) i don't know it just seemed odd to me so some of the plot is a little confusing to me as to you know baxter and shredder and kind of how krang factors in but shredder escapes the teleportation technology. Yeah, so, so I think what was happening there was Baxter Stockman's got this teleportation tech and he thinks he knows how to use it. Okay. And he thinks it's going to teleport Shredder to him. But instead, it teleports him to Krang because the technology came from Krang. So I guess Krang recognized an energy signature and like yeah. pulled whatever was being teleported in. And then it's like, it is really weird because Shredder shows up there and Krang's like, hey, I know exactly who you are and I know you want to kill me, but you're going to work for me. And Shredder's like, okay. Like, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So, yeah, again, it falls in that half-baked area. I gave it, I deducted a point for Krang's design just because I don't think the body's interesting to look at and I... I'm not a fan of him like being popped out of it, like hovering on an umbilical cord or whatever it is. 
I had no, I, I thought about it. I was like, do I like this? Do I hate this? And at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on it. Although your next point, I don't know, 100%. If I got with. six movies of that, I'd be okay. If if they got rid of it like they did, I'm okay. I'm like, eh, it's a thing. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I don't think Brad Garrett works for The Voice, but that's just, I don't know. It just didn't match up to me. So I added a point for the casting, though, unlike, uh, you know, Brad Garrett aside, uh, I think since we took a point off the last movie for casting, I think this is where the point gets added back in is into this movie, because Casey Jones, Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter Stockman, all the new additions, very well cast, unfortunately not very well written, <laughs> but very well cast. It's like, right. I can see give that. that there's a good actor there. It's it's like Val Kilmer as Batman. It's like, mm-hmm. I can see what you were thinking when you cast this person. Yeah. You just didn't give him the material. Um, I added a point for the story of Krang, even though you don't like the look. Uh, I like that Krang's plan is basically the plot to Toe Jam and Earl, the video <laughs> game. <laughs> Like his ship was coming to Earth and the 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 parts broke apart and now he's got to go find all the parts to his his space device. It's it's Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, <laughs> I'm really hoping. And then there's... Laura Linney shows yeah, up in the movie, yeah. and I didn't have a point or anything for this, but I was just like, doesn't when she shows up, doesn't that imply that there's going to be some kind of twist there? When you have such a recognizable actor, you're like, oh, this is. This person's going to be somebody. And she's not. She's just kind of, it's so weird. It would be like if you got like, I don't even know a good example. Like it would be like it if you got um Chris Evans <laughs> to be in your movie and he was just like a, a, a secretary with two lines. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why? Why is that who it is after he's famous? Because she's obviously famous at this point. So I... The only note I had on her casting was it just I know Judith Hogue I think had a cameo as the mayor of New York that got cut out, but I okay. f- I feel like either her or Paige Turco should have played that character because then it's I agree a, a link to the other movies, but it just seems like a again it's like the Whoopi Goldberg thing where it's like you give someone really talented a a nothing role. Yeah. They cast Anthony Hopkins as Usher number four. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> your seat is here, sir. <laughs> um, so I, I took a p- point away for this line of dialogue here, and I got some other stuff later. But so they have this scene where Casey wants to be put on the case. Where what was it they saw? Um. What are they? Did, did they see Bebop and Rocksteady? They Rock saw City? Bebop oh, the, the, and Rocksteady. The escape. The escape. That's what yeah. it was. Okay. They saw the jailbreak. And Casey wants to be put on the, the prison break where Shredder was broken out of prison. And he has this line of dialogue where he says, I'm from New York. I know the streets better than anyone. Dude, you're a New York City police officer. They're all from New York. What are you talking about? Everybody you work with knows the streets of New York. They're all poli- New York City police officers. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're in a building full of people whose job it is to know the streets of New York. I know the streets better than anyone. I'm willing to bet you don't. You seem pretty rookie-ish. 
<laughs> so there's a few points I deducted for stuff we already went over, but I deducted a point because I don't understand how Baxter is seeing what Shredder is seeing when he's with Krang because it's not like he has a camera on him or something. I didn't pick up on that, but that's the exact type of writing this movie has is where like it's it's just like oh the characters must all all know everything the audience knows and it's like that's not always the case <laughs> you know and i i deducted a point because the shredder and krang team up just feels forced like you said maybe if there had been another movie in between that kind of established some stuff it would make more sense but this is very much just uh yeah. well that's what they did in the cartoon right they teamed up so haha that's it. Well, I mean, I in the characters I listed earlier, you could add Shredder to that list. And Shredder is about as important to the story as Vern yep. and Splinter. And they're all just uh, orbiting this story of the Turtles, Bebop. The, the real story is the Turtles, Bebop, and Rocksteady in an end fight with Krang. Yeah. Those are the only things needed in this movie because they're the only things that play a part in the actual story. So we go to this dive bar where uh, Bebop and Rocksteady are hanging out. And the guy who plays Mayhem in commercials is the bartender. And he, he hooks oh, them yeah. up with <laughs> some burner phones. And for some reason, I, I just it just didn't make sense to me. This guy who's giving people illegal burner phones that I you know you used so no one can trace you. He has GPS tracking on the phones for some reason. <laughs> and that's the thing that's yeah. funny, too, is every piece of technology in this movie knows everyone's name perfectly. Because whenever they're, like, tracking somebody, it's like, oh, that's but at least Bebop and Rocksteady. Here's, here's the thing with that. It is bad writing, but at least it's consistent. Like, if it only happened one time... You'd be able to focus in on like, that doesn't make sense. But the fact that it's consistent throughout the entire movie where characters don't know things they should and, and characters are like three times in this movie, Donatello does something where he's like, I can pinpoint their exact location. And it's like, you, there's no way that would work. But because it's consistent, you're like, I guess in this universe it works. So it's not that that uh, that far off. Um I added a point for this bar scene because I loved just all the... I think I didn't pay attention to that part because I was too caught up in the Bebop and Rocksteady all, banter. All the Bebop, Rocksteady stuff is They're going to make their own foot clan. And he's like, yeah, work your way up to a leg clan. Good it, stuff. It's actually the only time in the movie Shredder's intimidating. That's true, too. And then he's just kind of there. Did you get the vibes? It felt like the it, that that bar had been in an MCU movie. Uh, I, yes. I can't figure, or like one of the Netflix shows. It looks like the bar from Jessica Jones. Yes, that's what it was. Okay, could be. And I, I, and then uh, I agree with this next point. Yeah, the, the, yeah. This is where I took a point away for Raphael because between the two movies, this is the worst version of Raphael. He. He only talks to just be like, I'm so mad all the time, you know, like, like, I don't know I, if he's done well. Raphael is just overly aggressive in stressful situations. But 
I feel like this Raphael, if Leonardo was like, hey, guys, I made breakfast, he'd be like, oh, so we got to, you get to decide when we eat now? <laughs> I have to tie my whole morning to your timetable? It's like, dude, I made breakfast. What are you, what are you so mad? <laughs> like, that's how every one of his lines are like, oh, so you're in charge of that now? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Tone it back a little. We have to feel like these these brothers like him and they're, they don't just keep him around because he's family, you know? <laughs> But I, I um I balanced that out with I added a point from Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked off mic in between the movies here about how they nail the type of funny Michelangelo is supposed to be. Like, it's not supposed to be he's always trying to make a joke. It's that the things he says are funny whether he's trying to be funny or not. Like, everybody has that friend where just the way that they talk always makes you laugh, you yeah. know, like the way they'll they'll tell a story or the way they'll describe something. And that's Michelangelo in this series. He's he's the funny one, but it's not because he's like he's not Chandler from Friends where he's like trying to inject, like trying to be funny, you know, he, and I got he, nothing against Chandler from Friends. I'm just saying that's that's how people sometimes write Michelangelo. And I prefer it this way. You know, I feel like we're the only turtle podcast that uh, dumps on Matthew Perry, like, constantly. <laughs> do we? We do. It's like the fourth time we've brought him up in a negative light. So I didn't know that. Oh, okay. I don't, my, I don't have anything against him, actually. I actually, like, because we were so young when Friends, yeah. like, was airing. I like I feel like he like kind of inspired me to want to be a funny person like he did a good job as that role it's just not what Michelangelo is supposed to be so we both agreed with this whole explanation of there being a dormant animal gene inside yeah every person just steal the I zoo mean, this, animals this- if you're gonna borrow so much from the cartoon at that point Exactly, and that's one of the most memorable scenes of the original 87 cartoon series is when they were kidnapping the zoo animals. So that's if you're going to tie yourself to that cartoon so much, do that. Because you could have easily had Baxter understand how the ooze worked and, and do it just like the 87 cartoon. Just be like, hey, we know that this, you know, you, you, you mix a person and an animal and they get their traits and you got yourself a strong mutant. Go get some strong animals. And there's your scene. Go get them. Um, But I don't know. I Yeah, I hate everything about the ooze in this movie because it it also kind of implies that the ooze that makes Bebop and Rocksteady is like a different ooze than what made the turtles. And it it, that the whole inner zoo animal thing is just dumb. And it kind of implies to me that the writers didn't even bother looking into how it works in the source material because it's very clear there. The last animal. You were in contact with, boom. And again in this scene, so April O'Neil shows up and she steals the ooze from from Shredder's team, which is a, another thing altogether is that she was able to sneak in to a room with Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter, and Shredder, and Karai. And she apparently out-ninja'd them all. Um, <laughs> she sneaks in, steals, steals the ooze. And again, Shredder says this thing that implies like a big history between all the characters where he he says something like O'Neal. And it's like, I know, I get that he knows who she is. It, it's hard to describe in a podcast. It's just the way he says it implies such a history that is just not there. Yep. 
So I did talk to the point for the, the Foot Ninja outfits because they just look like leftover costumes from the G.I. Joe movies. Like, mm-hmm. But you said that you like that they were ninjas. I like that they're ninjas, but I don't feel like ninjas run around in leather. Yeah, well, that's, spoiler alert, that's one of the points I took away later on, was minus one point for Leather Shredder, is what I called him. <laughs> yeah. Because in the finale, it's, yeah, no good. So, this, I deducted a point also for Casey's mask, because again, it's like they didn't bother to even attempt to see what the source material was. It's just gigantic. Like, it's just, <laughs> it looks stupid. So, yeah, April steals the ooze, and she's on the run, and the Foot Clan kind of chase her down, and they're fighting in this alley. And then Casey Jones shows up and kind of saves the day. And I had a plus one point for this scene, and I'm like, this is just should have been his introduction in yeah. the movie. Yep. Like, he, we didn't need anything he's done up to this point. His line about knowing New York better than anyone doesn't make any sense. Um, he should have just been, like, in his apartment or, like, even walking down the street or something overhears the, the commotion. Yeah. Or maybe he's even out on patrol. I don't care why he's there. Just make this part his introduction where he comes in and, and saves April because nothing before this really – it didn't matter that that was Casey. See, and I know, like, it connects to the story later where he sees the dump truck and he's like, oh, you were the turtles that were there when Shredder was breaking out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't affect Casey's story at all, whether he puts that together or not. Like, it really doesn't. So the turtles show up. Casey freaks out, thinks they're aliens. Mikey kind of plays into it, which I thought was great. And <laughs> Mikey has this line about, no, I'm just kidding, dude. We're vegan. And he <laughs> he does all the accepts. So basically, Mikey's not vegan. I like that. And I loved his introductions of his brothers. I thought those were great. And yeah, they were really cool. It worked better than the the titles, I thought. <laughs> um, so then they get the ooze back to the turtle lair with Casey, and um, so first is your thing. I had this yeah, out of order yeah, in the notes, yeah. but first you added the point for Casey. They the turtles trick Casey into attacking Splinter, which Casey you should have if you want to be a detective someday, you should have been able to detective that you got some giant mutant turtles here. They probably live with this giant mutant rat. Like, there's probably a connection between the two things. Um, but they, they, they're they like, oh, yeah, we see him all the time. You go get him. Like, I, I feel like you should have put that together. I deducted a point um, for when he sees the garbage truck and then puts two and two together. And it's like, you knew they were turtles when they showed up. So did you think there were two separate sets of turtles? There were alley turtles <laughs> and then garbage truck driving turtles? Because it's just, I don't know. And again, like him realizing that they were the ones who tried to stop Shredder from escaping from prison doesn't really affect the Casey Jones story at all because he at the when he shows up in that alley, he has enough of a reason to trust the turtles in that he knows that they are on April's side. Yeah. Who he's already trusting. So, not needed. Um, and then I deducted a point, because there's a part here where Donnie puts a little bit of the ooze on his hand, and it turns human, and it's the same thing. It doesn't make sense. So, every animal has human DNA in it? Yes. <laughs> That's how things work. And we... we 
both have said this, that there's this side story in here that I took a point away for. There's this thing that's kind of shoehorned in about the turtles wanting to be human. And before people attack me, yeah, they do set it up early on with Michelangelo at the Halloween parade and talking about how he wishes he could fit in. But it's all talked about in such vague terms. Yep. It's it's not really expanded upon. And it's, I don't know, it just doesn't, it's not fleshed out enough to be in the movie. It's not like I f- know why they want to be human or what specifically they would want to do if they were human that's any different than how they live their life now. Because it doesn't seem like they're like, I want to stop being a ninja. Or it doesn't sound like he's like, I'm, I'm tired of fighting crime. Maybe he doesn't want to live in the sewer anymore. But, like, other than that, I don't know. It's just not, there's no answers here other than he wishes he was human so he could go walk around the streets. But then what? It, and it's it's just too vague. It's too vague of a story. I didn't notice but I did this add a point. next part. What's that? I didn't even notice this next thing you gave a point for. Yeah, it's a little Easter egg that's in there where uh, Donatello mentions Neutronium, which is a nice nod to the neutrinos from Dimension X. It, when he when he's analyzing the ooze, he says it the compound. It, he's, he uses the word Neutronium when he's talking about the ooze right before he finds out it can turn his hand into a person hand. And so it, it was nice to see because the neutrinos are from Dimension X, where this ooze is from. So Neutrinum, nice little nod. So the reason I think the whole human thing was put in was just for the the wedge plot between Donnie and Leo and Mikey and Raph, because it seems to be all it does is cause that. But there's this point where and the wedge pl- the wedge plot seems to only be in there so that they could send the two of them on two different missions. Yep, which is like immediately just resolved and like hands dusting. Like, all right, we did that. Like. They're so all, Donnie, they all like each other again. Donnie and Leo go to the museum to see if they can find one of the toe jam and roll pieces. And Raph, <laughs> Raph is trying to get April and Casey to help him and Mikey break into police headquarters. And Mikey has this line where he just says, I still don't know what you're saying. Are we doing something? After Raph's explained <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But then I deducted a point because Casey's like, oh, I can't just walk into there. You work there. There was no point where they're like, you're suspended, Jones, or you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there's no reason he can't walk in there. Yeah, no need for the disguise. So they I have did to- add a point for the scene, though, because I am a sucker for like an Ocean's Eleven infiltration. Like they got the Little Less Conversation song going there. I don't know. It, it held up for me. Yeah, but it was just a way to shoehorn Vern back into the movie. and ugh. They give keys to the city at merry-go-rounds. Is that a thing? Because that was just odd. In this movie, it is. <laughs> and you're right. Uh, I, think I, we're on the fi- I don't know what TCRI does or why they have a tank. <laughs> yeah, the tank says TCRI on it. I'm like, what? I didn't do any points for it, but I was like, why does TCRI have a tank? What does the company do? So, yeah, Bebop and Rocksteady are using the TCRI tank to go through the jungle of Brazil and find another one of the pieces. Um, During the whole police break-in thing, there's a part where Mikey and Raph, like, 
get the card and everything's going to plan and they do like a superhero landing in the elevator and Mikey goes to fist bump Raph and Raph just leaves him hanging. So I gave it a point for that because I just thought that was funny. (laughs) So there's this point afterwards where, you know, Leo and Donnie also show up at the police station, which I can't remember if there was actual reason for it. Maybe they, oh yeah, all right, Mikey called them. So they show up, the the cops see them, Laura Linney sees them, they know oh, your monsters, blah, 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 blah. So they go back. The to- divided team story is over at this point. Yep. I guess they're not mad at each other anymore. <laughs> so they go back to the lair and everybody's moping. And again, Splinter's not bad in this movie. And he's given this talk to Leo about how he shouldn't want his brothers to all think the same. And, you know, them all being unique is what makes them a team. So I like that they at least are in the right direction with Splinter in this movie. And then again, you're right. Uh, Donnie's tracking everybody on Earth, no matter where they are. So he, he's <laughs> he's explaining that Bebop and Rocksteady are 13,000 feet in the air. And Mikey says, they've achieved the power of flight. Good for them. So I gave him a point for that. And then uh, we we both gave it a point for the the plane slash jungle action scene because it was awesome. Yeah, there's no way those pilots are still alive, though. No, no. <laughs> they, that plane got riddled with bullets. <laughs> they tried to like make it seem like the pilots parachuted out of the cockpit. Like, but pilots don't fly planes with parachutes on at all times. Like those pilots are dead. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't worth taking a point away for, but when they're coming back from Brazil, I had this really key thing I wanted to talk about here, where they the Turtles all have a fight, and Leonardo talks about how they're bad at being a team. And I can't help but think this was like some sort of studio note or something about somebody liked how this worked in the first Avengers movie. So they're like, yeah, like, yeah, get some stuff in there about how we can't work as a team, and we're bad. Even though I know it's a cliche, and a hundred other things have done it. But the difference is it works well in the first Avengers movie because the first Avengers movie is one of the best examples of that of all time because it's it's a meta plot. It, it, it works outside of the movie. You as a person watching the movie, famously, it's the first time that these studios took a gamble and got all these franchises to come together yeah. for one movie. So you as an audience member are already wondering, can these characters work together as a movie like will this work and so that subconsciously goes into you wondering can they work together as a team yeah and then the movie rightly like like makes that the key part of the story and here it's just not it's just not that like it's it's just oh we didn't do what we were trying to do so we suck as a team like they, they didn't it's not like they were bumping into each other and, and like and and infighting while they were trying to stop Bebop and Rocksteady, because that's what the Avengers did, where like, you know, that like, you know, the Hulk hulks out on the aircraft carrier yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And th- there was no infighting going on. They they just failed to stop them. You make a good point here too, because the Buck Buck thing, like that's how they defeated Shredder. Oh last yeah, time. they already worked together as a team. They did Buck Buck at the end of the first movie. <laughs> Yeah, and you guys have supposedly done so much for the city at this point that you keep talking about, which makes this seem like a third movie. Yeah, yeah. Again, I it's 
it's got weird points like that. So I deducted a point for all of Casey's dialogue. It it just at this point I noticed it. I just I just deducted a point for dialogue in general, and this was my favorite one. So there's a a lot of it is Casey. You're right, and there's a part where he says, "I wanted to put criminals away, not just keep them in cages." What does that mean? It 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 it, it would. <sighs> That's something like if you were like a therapist, you would say like, I wanted to rehabilitate criminals, not just put them in cages. But the two things are the same. I wanted to put criminals away, not just put them in or yeah, not just keep them in cages. They're the same. I wanted to put them in this cage, not that cage. (laughs) What are you talking about, Casey? And then another thing that made it feel like a third movie in a trilogy to me was where Splinter did the talk and he says, your boyhood is coming to an end. You are becoming young men. And it's yeah. like, oh, so they're fully matured now. Like, it feels like the end of a trilogy. Yep. Didn't take a point away. Just something I thought I'd mention. So I did take a point away because we go to this painfully unfunny gag of Vern selling his breath online. <laughs> and then this idiotic scene where they get him to go to TCRI to get the camera footage and he rips a wire out of the whole room I don't know I just all of it's just terrible but I gave it a point for when the turtles are talking with Leo about their feelings I thought that was a really good moment and then this is where we we tend to disagree a little more I deducted a point for the third act because I feel like it's basically the same third act as the first movie. I thought it looked very original. I, I added a point for the visual of the Technodrome coming over piece by piece like that was, was not something I'd seen in any other movie where there's like the river of pieces going up and getting assembled in the sky and the turtles kind of, I, I like that whole thing. I like that it definitely there's a there's one shot where they're definitely intentionally making it look like the Death Star. Like it's got the laser circle at the oh, top okay, kind of coming yeah. in and everything. Um and yeah, I I just um I I don't know. I just think I liked I liked everything about it. I did take a point off for I already mentioned this leather shredder. Yeah. Uh isn't shreddy enough. Um and and they call him Commander Krang too. They should they, you couldn't work in General Krang, which is what he is in everything else. He should have been General Krang. And then right before the the end battle here, I deducted a point because suddenly they they try to push in that turtles want to be human thing again. And it, at this point, they had forgotten about it. Like you could tell they had forgotten yeah, it's like, about guys, it. That story's over. We're not doing that. It's almost like it's almost like one turtle brings it up, and another turtle's like, "No, we're not doing that story anymore." <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's basically what it is. So leather shredder. So I saw you added a point for a frozen triceraton here, which Dude. I love because it's in my notes. I paused the movie, looking at these pods, hoping to find a triceraton, and I didn't see one. Where is it? It's literally to the left of Shredder. Okay, so I I must have paused it too early. I paused it before Shredder's like in there and you see like the whole big thing of all the pods. So, uh, yeah. So I said one should be a Triceraton and one was. So that's good. Yeah, so this is when Shredder is betrayed, frozen, and put away with all the other toys Krang doesn't care about. But yeah, I, I... 
This movie does a better job of doing nods to the franchise than the previous movie did. Yeah. I had a big tirade here I wrote down. <laughs> I can again, see that. It's not anything I, that affected <laughs> the points, but there's a part where the, the four turtles are walking up to Krang and Michelangelo's like twirling his nunchucks. And just in that moment, I started writing. I, I was like, just seeing him twirl his nunchucks like that really made me wish there was more ninja fighting in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Because there's great action sequences here. There's the 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 jailbreak. There's the the airplane thing. There's this final battle and this Death Star thing. But I wish there was more ninja stuff because a Ninja Turtle movie should really have great fight scenes like a Shang-Chi movie or like the Netflix Daredevil series had all those great hallway fights like that should be in in here um so just more hand-to-hand combat in a Ninja Turtle movie please so this is when the teams are all split up and the turtles are going after Krang and April and Vern and Casey are going after uh Karai and Bebop and Rocksteady. So I I gave it a point for when Casey gets kicked by Bebop into a car because it just made me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where my note should go is I, I took a point off because the, this is about the time where Casey Jones gets knocked somewhere, sees a pair of rollerblades, takes the blades off the rollerblades and tapes them to his shoes And this is like literally to me the definition of taking a point away because it takes me so out of the movie to be like, why would you add that extra step? Just put the rollerblades on. They even look like they're his size. They got to be because the blades are the same size of his shoes. So like, I don't know. I did not. If if you're going to put that, he stumbles on a pair of rollerblades. I'll suspend my disbelief that they fit. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to get that into it. I added a point for that one moment, though, and I think it's my favorite moment in the movie, is when he's rollerblading away and Rocksteady's charging after him and the cars are flying everywhere. I just thought that was a really cool thing, and I don't feel like that's something you see Rocksteady do often. Yeah, that's why they need to be in more things, so you can see more original stuff like this. Because I know he he charges at people, but not like he does in this movie. Like, on all fours. I don't know. I I just thought it was a cool moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm fuzzy on the details, but somehow the turtles win. (laughs) And and Krang starts getting sent back to Dimension X. Yeah. And I wrote up, they got really lucky that the Technodrome parts went back home and didn't just rain down on New York. Yeah. <laughs> they were all in the sky. Um, so, and then the turtles, it, just like at the end of the first movie, they all have like a little moment here. And I loved the joke where they all went in and three of the turtle, the, like we got something nobody else has. And they all go in and I think they all say teamwork, except for Raphael who says garbage truck. I thought that was really funny. That's Even like his, his one good moment. Writing-wise, writing wise, it's not that great because that should be a payoff for a setup earlier in the movie. Yeah. Like, there should be a line earlier in the movie where Raphael says something about the garbage truck that this is, like, a reference to, you know? I added a point. I, I wasn't going to do it every time. I waited till the last time they say it. But for the, my man, because I just like that yeah. thing between the two of them. 
And uh... yeah, I already said the one about the this being more focused on turtles, so we can skip that. So I deducted a point again. This is two movies in a row for Karai being easily defeated by people who have zero skills against her. I believe she's brained in the face with a laptop this time. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it a point because the turtles say turtle power, so that was kind of cool. I deducted a point because at the very end of the movie, it's like they suddenly remembered April is a reporter because now she's doing a news report again. (laughs) And then I deducted a point because this may be the most forced April and Casey romance ever. Absolutely. Yeah. They, like, why? Why do they have feelings for each other? That you, they, I feel like they were together for like 20 minutes. I don't, I don't get it. And then I, um, I added a point because at the end, they, they do the cool art style thing again, but they do like a cover of the 80s TV show theme. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. Do you yeah. know why I wrote this last note here? Because they don't have a last name, according to them. Yeah, they Laura Linney said, I, I didn't add or take away a point, but I was frustrated here where Laura Linney is like, you guys don't have a last name? That's so weird. And I'm like, their last name is Hamato. Why? Why couldn't it? Because you didn't set it up anywhere. You can't just force it into the scene. But why draw attention to it when they do have a last name? So I don't know. It's funny because it's like the one moment in the movie where they don't do something like that, where they're just like, people know that. Yeah. (laughs) And I I agree with the last note that this is a thing that I'm tired of. Yeah, a lot of respect that this movie showed some restraint and didn't do a post-credit scene. Like, I hate that everything has one now because even though I do like them, I, I liked them way more when they were rare and special, like when I only knew like three movies that did it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. It's 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 Marvel's thing, and I hate that everyone else is trying to make it their thing as well. So let's let's break I'm down really this math here. I'm curious to see the scores now because, like I said, I <clears throat> I feel like the whole time because I get to the end, I was like, oh wow, it only scored that. So it was doing that one step forward, one step back a lot of the time for me. So the first movie, we always say we went nuts. We loved literally in every second of that movie. So it's very high scored. You gave it a 17. I gave it a 34. And the combined list was a 44. Secret of the U's, you were a negative 13. Uh, I was an 11. And the combined list is a negative 6. Ninja Turtles 3, this is where we started to kind of match each other more. Yep. You gave Ninja Turtles 3 a 9, I gave it a 7, and our combined list was a 10. The TMNT CGI movie, we both scored a 10, and the combined list was a 12, so we matched there. Uh, Where is the 2014 movie? Here it is. So 2014, I scored a negative (laughs) 7. I didn't remember that it was that low. Uh, you scored it a negative 15, and our combined list was a negative 19. So we did like this movie a lot more on paper than the previous movie. I scored this movie a 6. You scored it a 1, yeah. and our combined score is a 6. So, so yeah, it's, it's not the, f- the worst Turtle movie. 
score-wise in any category, me, you, or the combined. Not the best. Uh, it looks like it fits somewhere if you average the three scores out. It's about on par with the third Ninja Turtle movie. The third one with the Jim Henson. Well, they didn't have the Jim Henson suits, but... so The one that everyone calls Turtles in Time that is actually just Ninja Turtles 3. We scored it about the same as that one. So going into this, I, I thought this was going to be like in my second or third spot overall and it ended up being my fourth so i I just i was surprised by that but it it might just be that i thought it had more of the stuff i like in it through more of the movie than it does let's see if these numbers match our rankings so by your scores your least favorite movie is the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Followed by Secret of the Ooze. Yep. Um, then Out of the Shadows. Then Out of the Shadows. Then Ninja Turtles 3. Then TMNT. This is hard to do scrolling all over the place. And then the then original. The original, yeah. Um. I'll go top down for mine. So my favorite was where is this is so hard to do because it's not it's like where the page breaks in my notes. Um, And some of them I just have listed as TMNT. Where's the original one? I know I scored that one the highest anyway. Oh, here it is. So mine is the 1990 movie Mm -hmm. followed by. Secret of the Ooze, I think. Yeah, that has an 11. Followed by the 2007 CGI movie, TMNT. Then Ninja Turtles 3. Then Out of the Shadows. Then the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is last. So that's interesting because yours is different from mine, which is kind of cool. And I, I'd actually say that kind of does line up with how I like the movies. I, I do like the 1990 movie the most. Um, I, I definitely like the CGI Turtle movie more than I like Turtles 3. Uh, I definitely like the 2014 TMNT Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Platinum Dunes movie the least. So, it, yeah, it, it definitely lines up. So, yeah, that that's our last movie episode for now. I mean, I know we've got... An animated movie in the works. We have a live action movie in the works. And then really, I guess it's up to you guys. Tweet us, send us an email if you'd like us to do uh, the Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, credit score. Or the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles credit score once that finally hits Netflix. Yeah, and you know what we should also say is, I don't know the exact date yet. But we are coming back for our regular comic book coverage. The third season is going to be starting soon. I think by the time this this is coming out, this episode's coming out next week, the beginning of May. And I think about a month from this, maybe so, a little more, but sometime in June, yep. I think we're going to be launching the, the season. So there you go. Stay tuned for that. And we would, of course, like to thank our Patreon subscribers, like we always do. Uh, so this is going to be something with those other episodes. I'm going to have to like insert it afterwards, I guess, because we pre-recorded yeah, those yeah. episodes before we 
kind of started doing this uh, as a if you if you subscribe on our Patreon at the dollar mark, the dollar uh, pledge mark, we once a month will do a special shout out. I think that's how it's set up. I'm going to have to reread the rules, but you wrote the rules <laughs> either way. Yeah, but it's been so long. Like we haven't really been because we've been off season. I haven't been paying attention to the Patreon, and and now it's time to really get back into that because now it's time to get our logo designed and all that stuff that we do for the season. So, anyway, uh, thank you very much for helping out with that logo design. That's where this money's going to go. To um, uh, we have, I don't have real names for these people. We have Tara Clarkson. Who said we could use her first name on Hi, Twitter, Tara. Or her last name on Twitter? So thank you, Tara Clarkson, for helping contribute to the show. It, it, it's very much you know going to help. That's that money is going to get our logo made. Um, and we have two new Patreons, and I don't have their real names. I have. I don't even know if I should give their screen name out. Can people go after them? I don't know. I'm not going to give their email. So, Janky Zapper, Janky Zipper, sorry, Janky Zipper is a Patreon, and Nearest Corpse, all is one word, Nearest Corpse is our other Patreon. So thank you so much to the three of you. It really helps out. I know I've said it twice already, but art isn't cheap, and we need a new logo every season. We don't need it, but we do. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where this money's going to go for now. Uh, You know, there's other other stuff we spend money on. We want to get a website at a certain point, uh, things, things podcasts need because I learned this recently. Podcasts should have a website because that's another thing that helps people find the podcast when they search Ninja Turtles is your website will come up. So, uh, some, I guess that's a do. good point. Yeah. I guess we need that. Cause... Cause I guess websites get favored in Google searches over podcasts and stuff like that. So interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's enough technical talk and we are by far at the longest episode we've done in a long time. So thank everybody for listening. If you want to become a Patreon and get a special shout out, you can go check us out on Patreon at the Ninja Turtle Nerds. Pretty easy to find. Uh, We're also on Twitter and Instagram at TMNT Nerds, and we will be back soon covering comic books before you know it. So spread the word while you can. You got to about a month, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, to to listen to all our back catalog if you haven't yet. It's all there. Thank you so much. See you next time. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TMNTNerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.